Hey, it is Brent Leary. And yeah, it's Tuesday, November 3rd. This is definitely not going to be like every other day. I, you know, I come on usually and it's like, oh, every day, every day bleeds into the other. It's like Thursday every day. But not today, but that's later. You know, right now we got a really interesting conversation with Vivek Pandya from Adobe. He is, I want to make sure I get this right, the Senior Digital Insights Manager for Adobe. So Vivek, thank you for joining me, man. That's right. Uh, thanks, thanks very much for having me, Brent. So every time I do one of these conversations, the first question I ask somebody is, are, do you have a, a favorite football team? <laughs> well, there's a bit of a long answer to that, but um, I'll give you the bridged version. So I'm, I'm originally from England. And then when I moved to the US, I moved to Atlanta with my family. And um, oh, nice. But being an Atlanta sports fan is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't immediately kind of take to the game as I did, you know, uh, I, I just, just because it was hard for me to follow. But And then over time, I kind of started to understand the rules a bit more, started to enjoy games close to the playoffs and, and the Super Bowl. Um, and then, you know, then I was reminded that I'm supposed to be a Falcons fan. And <laughs> and um, now I'm in Oakland and in, in the Bay Area, and I, I don't want to be a bandwagon fan. So I'm just like kind of in this, this neutral territory. You know what? As long as you said that you were not a, a big New England's Patriots fan, any answer would be okay with me. So yeah, that's yeah. all right. But no, thanks for joining me today. I, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I really uh, glad we had a chance to do this because I, I want to pop this uh, up here and, and we can get into this report that Adobe recently came out with. I think it was just last week. Uh, the yeah. Adobe Analytics Holiday Forecast 2020. There's a lot of stuff in here, folks, and we're going to get to some of it. But maybe you could just give us uh, the high notes around uh, who took this forecast? How did you gather all this information? Then we'll jump into it a little bit. Sure, sure. So um, many people might know Adobe uh, a lot for our creative products, the Photoshops and, and PDF and, and things like that. Uh, but we, we have a really strong footprint in terms of uh, analytics platforms that support the online landscape. So we have, you know, the top 80 of the top 100 um, online retailers. We have just thousands of websites that pr produce e-commerce activity. Uh, we also acquired Magento, and that's that's allowed us to get more of an uh, in-depth look into smaller companies as well. So we've been able to kind of have a sort of vast array of companies that have been able to transact over the years. And essentially, our our kind of calling card as as an insights group was us being able to size the holiday season and talk about how big days like Black Friday and Cyber Monday are going to be. And uh, that that was uh, what a lot of this data allowed us to do uh, from an online perspective. And then as we've been able to get more data sets uh, in, into our workflows, it's been able to kind of allow us to talk about larger trends and then obviously with covid happening this year um we were able to kind of turn our holiday model uh that gives us a, a, a sort of sense of how the holiday season will do and and sort of just keep that on throughout the months to track how covid was impacting up to this season 
All right. So, and roughly how many, I mean, how much data are you guys playing with here? Yeah. So this is about a trillion visits. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, that, that, you know, as you can imagine, that makes up, uh, you know, millions of products and we can then see all this sort of, uh, transaction behaviors, things like returns, um, and all, all this sort of opted in data that gives us a sense of how consumers will kind of behave, how they'll maybe return things, uh, how what sort of shipping options they're gravitating towards. Uh, all of that has been just, um, you know, amazing for us to be able to kind of give a lot of nuance uh, into how people are thinking about shopping, how we see them behaving when they're shopping throughout the days. So that's a lot of data, a lot of things to play with. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to prop up this next slide and maybe you could tell us some of the, the big takeaways, big things that you saw, big trends. Sure. Sure. So, um, that, that big, that number that we start off with 189 billion, that's, you know, our main projection. And that is about two years worth of growth, online growth compressed into one season. And it's, it's really mind bending to think about just because you think about all these different companies and how essentially uh, prepped and ready they need to be in order to fulfill this level of volume. I mean, they've had a bit of practice with it uh, earlier in the month because we saw, you know, growth levels spiking in March and April and peaking in May. But this is almost a couple of those, you know, early pandemic months combined. And so you're just, it's, it's just kind of staggering to see that. And then when you kind of contextualize it in terms of what we're assuming, because this wasn't just a, a, another year, obviously, for us to forecast, this was imagine all these factors that could play into more spend, less spend. So then when we thought about, you know, our main likelihood scenario, it was this $189 billion figure that you're seeing there. Now, when we think about how things could change if more stores decide to close, you know, we've heard some stores saying that they're going to be closing for Thanksgiving. We see more of that as they try to, you know, manage case right cases rising, things like that. And then if we see an additional level of stimulus, uh, that we know impacts things positively in terms of com commerce transaction, that number could hit upwards of $200 billion. So mm -hmm. it's really the online landscape's biggest test in being able to essentially continue the momentum of retail, even though we're, we're facing a season like we haven't ever seen before. And that $189 billion, that's strictly online. That's right. I mean, that, that's not including... I mean, there's still people, you know, we, we still can go into certain stores and buy things, but that's just an incredible number. And then that last bullet point under that e-commerce outpacing overall growth, 33%, the one, the one and a half. So basically, uh, if it wasn't for e-commerce, this thing would be tanking. Yes, uh, I think that that's one of our big takeaways is it's good that a lot of companies are at their maturity with online commerce that they're at um, this whole year to keep momentum going when offline has been uh, so severely impacted. Uh, that 1 to 1.5% number is, is an estimate from Deloitte um, because they've been able to kind of take their estimates and you know we've seen similar estimates come from other analysts and you know for a context like in 2019 uh, overall retail retail growth was charted at 4.1% so there's still some analysts saying that it could pick up to that level and i mean 
if if it can perform at last year's level all things considered that that i think would be pretty good um but it's considering what the challenges are considering how things are kind of people are kind of like battening down hatches a little bit as they get into this, these colder months uh that's an assumed estimate for the season and then it helps further contextualize our 33 percent figure and when i look at those major online shopping days mm-hmm. you know one thing that kind of stands out to me other than the, the big numbers there but Amazon Prime, you know, was a couple of weeks ago. I think it was yeah, a couple of weeks ago, October thirteenth or something like that. That's not even included in this. No, and that and that was like, uh, well, Amazon hasn't told us exactly what those numbers are, but estimates are around between nine and eleven billion dollars, mm-hmm. which would put that right up there amongst these other days. Yeah, and what's what's been interesting for us is you know we we also see uh, other other retailers get essentially like a halo effect um, from from the Amazon boost and um, they w- what we saw with them was the this the, the Prime Days kind of performed a little bit like um, uh, like a Labor Day sales weekend and then we saw momentum kind of slow back down um and now we're projecting it to pick back up as we get into november but all of that's to say there were some people who were assuming okay now that we got prime day in like mid november uh, mid october uh that's going to kick off like holiday spending in mass from that point forward and i don't think we saw exactly that i think we saw that kind of spike up a bit and and some gains had there and then we've seen it draw down as we saw the late, later weeks of october and now we're expecting it to as i said kind of pick back up as retailers try to you know drive more early momentum in the season uh this has been a trend that they did a little bit last year they, they've always wanted to not make it just focused on black friday thanksgiving cyber monday but last season last year you know we had a shorter shopping season it was just the way the calendar fell there was like a week less that uh, mm. consumers had to spend before we got to Christmas. And what happened here was now with, with COVID and the concerns around shipping and fulfillment, there's even more of an onus on retailers to drive a lot of spending, you know, right as consumers start to look to get ready, which could, you know, we're in it right now, November 1st. Um, and what we are looking at in terms of major days is yes, we, we anticipate you know, a, a lot of momentum and growth happening during the earlier part of the season. But these main days are still blockbuster days. Um, yeah. th- these are still days that consumers anticipate they're going to get a lot of great pricing on that they're not going to want to miss out on. So that's keeping those days, you know, Black Friday hitting $10 billion for the first time ever, Cyber Monday still massive. Um, that's That's all still kind of happening even though there's a concerted effort to drive more momentum in the earlier days and it looks like here i mean it's two billion dollar a day i mean you know and then it's in a certain stretch right after i guess or maybe leading right up to you know the big days three billion per day i mm-hmm. mean so it seems like it's just a a consistent stream of buying at least you know two to three billion dollars a day, and then spiking up on those kind of those days that we're all used to. Yeah, it's it's really wild to see, especially when last year the big takeaway was each day being 
doing at least a billion dollars for it to have that sort of step change into the $2 billion range. And when we see that happening, it, it reminds us of this kind of new normal that has been generated as a result of offline pushing a lot of consumers who hadn't really utilized online frequently into into this marketplace and then getting adjusted and then starting to continue to purchase online. This is the one that really got me because um, we're all sitting here. A lot of us are still sheltering in place. So we're we're not on the go. I'm not walking around with my phone in my hand all the time. I got big screens, multiple screens all over the place. But mobile is just driving the actual online sales. I mean, I was really shocked. I, I mean, I knew it was going to be big, but the, 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 the increases are just ridiculous. That's exactly our thought, uh, Brent, is that we had assumed that, you know, with people being more at home, um, just being on our laptops more, uh, that would push more of a shift to laptop commerce and maybe slow down the incremental increases we saw with smartphones. But we didn't see that. Um, it just kind of took off as, as you'd expect in terms of just how we've compartmentalized uh, a lot of our activities. So we, uh, we've, we think about working a lot on laptops and productivity there. Um, but then with shopping and some of these types of activities, maybe it's maybe it's a relic of when people don't want people seeing them shop online when they're in the office and uh, they're just they're just conditioned to just yeah just grab a phone and and feel more adept and comfortable and um, just continuing the smartphone shopping. But yeah, this for us is you know a real testament to a lot of the investments companies have made to make smartphone purchasing easier and more comfortable and straightforward and it was the right call for them to make when we when we think about it because yeah it's it's just certain activities consumers are just ready to pick up the smartphone for and so it's it's even more important than ever that those mobile experiences are just completely buttoned up and, and it's smooth for consumers. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the testament to creating a frictionless uh, experience, making it very easy to buy on mobile um, versus I guess, busting out the laptop and doing, you know, searching and clicking and it is a much easier experience. So, so I guess that that's even when we're, you know, sitting at home, I, we're, we're using these things to buy stuff. It's really, I, I that one's the one that really got me. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, kind of uh, one that's kind of near and dear to me is this, the small guys versus the law, uh, the big guys. And I mean, it looks like, you know, there's enough to go around here with the increases, but small guys are, are holding their own. Uh, that's right. And, uh, you know, when we think about the small retailers here that we profile and larger ones, you know, we've got a billion dollars or more for um, large retailers, 10 to 50 for smaller retailers and in, in terms of how we're profiling. And it, it, it can't be lost that, you know, larger retailers have these, these pretty hefty marketing budgets that can allow them to uh, take on a lot of eyeballs and amass their share of the retail holiday spend. And we see that, you know, we saw about 55% year over year growth that these larger retailers had. And that's 
you know, when we think about the smaller retailers here, the, the growth is more incremental at about 8%. And so when we look at, but that's all to say, the small retailers shouldn't, you know, abandon the season because they have been doing a good job of, you know, driving still a lot of volume on their side and making the holiday season a large component of their on their yearly annual revenues. So they're able to even drive a more effective boost out mm -hmm. of the holiday season where, you know, we, we compare this sort of baseline to what the, the, the increases they see during the hol holiday season. And they, they're doing better than larger retailers in that case. Uh, but it's all to say that there there's a lot of, you know, opportunity there when we're talking about big numbers of 189 billion. So it becomes really important for small retailers to continue to make their, you know, their sales, their promotions really effective during the season and, and hold their own against larger retailers who we, we just expect to be able to kind of scale up their volume and share. And what's also good news for the, some of the smaller players is that consumers are being more deliberate and you know very cognizant that they want to shop at small retailers and we see them doing more business and supporting small retailers on small business saturday uh relative to the rest of the day so that's that's very i think comforting that if you're a small retailer and you're still you know making inroads that you can rely on certain consumers who will definitely be there to try to support your business do you think smaller businesses have, have done enough of making uh, a really easy, frictionless mobile experience for their uh, offerings? I think that there's a lot of opportunity there to, because even for large retailers, I would say, there's there's the apps, there's the, the mobile web experiences, there's this sort of synergy that happens across uh, laptops and desktops. So there's a lot of opportunity for retailers of all sizes to try to drive improvements and, and support it. I think with smaller retailers, they have, you know, uh, more confined resources. So then they have to make that, that call of, do we spend more investing in driving up mobile specifically and more initiative around mobile? Or do we try to work more around conversion rates across any type of device and or do we work more on branding all that becomes a little more uh, of a challenge for them but it's it's all to say that they they also are in a place where they're utilizing you know enterprise grade tools and have an opportunity to try to even drive uh, and you know kind of pick up on some of these trends uh, in terms of mobile that you know, even larger retailers might have a tougher time kind of moving away from some of their legacy uh, solutions and, you know, jumping right into. So I would say both size retailers have different strengths and weaknesses in terms of being able to tap into mobile uh, and and drive it to the, to the potential that we're seeing that could come from it. This next one, you know, is we saw what happened when you know, kind of the initial lockdowns from uh, from the virus took place. People who are used to shopping, you know, in person, going to stores, particularly for like groceries and things, they just couldn't get out. And there was the immediate shift to people buying online that may have never bought online, you know, before much of anything. And that seems to be uh, continuing, even though there's, you know, more and more people are able to get out. Um, it seems like people who maybe didn't initially 
think about buying online. They were forced into it because of the pandemic. And now they may have realized, you know what, this isn't all that bad. It's It's been something that we, you know, we had anticipated happening again on a very sort of uh, incremental level and year after year taking more and more of a, a piece of that total retail pie. And what the COVID pandemic did was create essentially this forcing function where it was like, whether you've been, you know, comfortable or not trying to make that jump and leap into buying certain types of products online, you're going to have to do it. And you're going to have to see what happens, you know, in terms of your options and variety and delivery and all these, all these different factors. And what I will say is that it's been good to see, again, a lot of these, um, purchases be successfully supported by these retailers and and helping that migration understanding that they are there are new consumers kind of coming on board and it's it's not even just net new that's that's the the major percentage the the major one is this sort of less frequent consumer who's you know maybe been comfortable buying a certain you know uh, maybe a iphone case online but now you're telling them no start buying you know your your groceries and, and your potatoes and 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 wine on online and that's been a, a bit of a shift and a bit of an adjustment both the retailers and the consumers and so what we've been you know we've been seeing some of this um behavior kind of shift back and forth a little bit because as the pandemic kind of wore on through the summer months uh, and more openings happened, we saw some of that migration back off of online shopping and back into some of these stores, um, especially when you think about like shipping costs with, as, and for grocery and some of these fulfillment things that retailers are having to do. It's, it hasn't been completely seamless for everyone. You know, there have been yeah. reports of, of stockouts and, and, and issues of, canceled orders and things like that. So um, while some some uh, products they were buying online, they were like, wow, I guess this wasn't so bad. I guess we can just do this from now on. Others, they were like, okay, well, this is a little more hassle than it was worth. And now that we can get back into stores, it's, it's worth doing that. Yeah, well, some of the things that stood out here for me is new customer revenue, 65% year over year uh, since April for small businesses versus 49%. So this is an opportunity for small businesses to, you know, bring on new customers directly uh, in, in, a, in a way that maybe because they have to use marketplaces in a lot of ways, this may be an opportunity for them to create direct uh, relationships with new customers. And then that also, you know, when you think about, um, you know, manufacturers of some kind of product, you're seeing more and more opportunity to go direct to consumer. And this is another way for them to not just be, you know, thinking of a transaction. Oh, it's the holiday season. We get a new, we get a new transaction, but this is actually an opportunity to build a new relationship that can extend way past, um, you know, the, the holiday season. That's, I, I, that's exactly right. You know, the larger retailers have, you know, definitely made big gains during this time but the smaller retailers have an opportunity especially if they have certain items that have been moving certain you know much quicker in larger retailers um they they have an opportunity to you know create these relationships with consumers and, and keep them as customers for you know long beyond 2020 so there's that that sort of you know pull, push and pull of being able to kind of provide that experience 
that will make it comfortable for new users to be like, okay, this is a brand I can trust to get these products to me. And there's this also this this cognizant understanding that um, you know larger retailers are going to also go after these consumers and make sure that they 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 stick with them and use the brand leverage that they developed as people have seen their names when they've been walking down the street and try to say, okay, well, maybe I'll use them for online now as well. So um, it's it's been an opportunity for both of them, but for smaller retailers, it's it's definitely um, a new area for them to open up versus, you know, kind of think about dr pulling, you know, larger retailer competitor consumers towards them. They can just open up and unlock this new customer. It's a great opportunity uh, out of a very tough situation, but there are some some things that that they can look into here. And it, you mentioned shipping too. Um, you think about the importance of getting your stuff on time. This <laughs> becomes a, a, another part of the a, important part of the buying uh, process. Is yeah, I can get this from you, but I want to make sure I get this from you in time on time and. If you're not able to provide that level of comfort, you're you might be missing out. That's exactly yeah. It's 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 one of those things that we've we've been thinking through both through the lens of expectations around shipping, and when you think about the consumer, they are very much um, you know in favor and hold in high regard free shipping. It's one of the most important things for them as a consumer. Uh, we were struck by, you know, it was more important for them than um, assortment, uh, you know, pricing of the actual products. Free shipping was this huge factor for them that they've, you know, been able to get accustomed to th through certain retailers. And when we talk about free shipping during the holiday season, we see this sort of, you know, tug of war happening because essentially free shipping requires retailers to be able to deliver these products on a timely manner and you know be uh, you know be fine with those mar the margin situation happening there and be able to just offer it at scale when there's so much volume and so we we're almost thinking about it more as like a differentiator which is you know there's so many retailers pushing towards expedited or rush shipping or trying to get a lot of consumers to pay for shipping in order to meet that you know get the product in time that whether you're a small retailer or a larger retailer if you can fulfill free shipping this season and do it effectively and successfully you're gonna you know really have those customers in the palm of your hand because this they, everyone's aware that this is a tougher season to purchase but if you can preserve this as an offer um then you, you'll definitely be able to you know manage that customer for for you know many years to come yeah i just think you know shipping is in in supply chain have become even more a part of the customer experience in in the make or break factors that it's this is it's not going away anytime soon uh the importance of it I, I completely agree because it, it, we think about retailers who invest a lot in the uh, the mobile and the online experience, and it's like making that completely seamless and effective. And then if you don't get your shipment in time, it's <laughs> kind of uh, you know it's it's kind of tainted a little bit of that for you, and and yeah. maybe put you off of purchasing certain things online. So it, it's just completely part and parcel with the online experience. All right, and and because uh, you know because of what has happened with the pandemic people don't want to go in stores but 
I give a lot of credit. There's been a, some really uh, quick responses to brick and mortars that are being able to say, hey, uh, order online and then come and you can pick it up, uh, you know, curbside or whatever. And I, I actually have to tell you, I had to think hard about Bopus because I was like, what the heck is that? So it's buy online, pick up in store, right? Mm -hmm, that's right. And we, we've heard different acronyms like um, uh Bopus, um, which you know, uh, that doesn't just, sound too high. Yeah, yeah, and so, and then we we hear generally in Europe like click and collect is what they go with, and yeah, all getting at the same thing, which is you know sort of pre-purchasing the product online and then picking up it in store or um, being curbside so that you can have it put in your car. And this has been an area that we've been profiling for holiday seasons, you know, for the past couple of years and have been really impressed with the retailers who support it and how, how much gain and differentiation it drives for them. But then this year, it, it just took on a completely new di dimension. Uh, the, the utilization just exploded as you'd expect. And, and, what we found was it became a point of differentiation again, where uh, consumers were more likely to purchase from retailers that offered it as a as an available option than ones that didn't, uh, because it it married that desire of availability, uh, potentially pricing, with having it immediately in your hands and avoiding shipping costs. Uh, so it's been. Uh, a massive driver this year, and we expect it to just continue to hit new heights this season. And the caveat here is also, though, um, the whole thinking around Bopis is for it to be a safer way and people aren't just mingling in stores and, and wandering about. However, if we see this utilization um, you know, continue to skyrocket and it's not mitigated and managed uh, by certain retailers, you could end up seeing lines people in the store, you know, kind of picking up items and it, it starts to be a little less safe than, you know, they perceive it to be. Um, so we've seen certain retailers uh, employ certain things like reservations and things like that. And that's, those are things that we expect to have happen in order to mitigate this sort of pile up in the store of, of consumers just trying to get in and get their stuff out. But then that could potentially take much longer than they can anticipate. Yeah, that, that top bullet point, 50% of all orders from December 21st to the 23rd at retailers that offer BOPUS, now including Kurtz. I mean, that's huge. I mean, if you don't have it. Right. That's still the last minute. That's the last minute uh, shoppers that yeah. we've, we've seen. And we expect to see them just because that's a hard um, habit to break. Just like buying things and paying for them on uh, Cyber Monday and Thanksgiving and having these practices of I'm going to get my deal after after Thanksgiving meal or something like that. Uh, that These are habits that have been ingrained over years that retailers are going to try to distribute a lot more evenly through the season. And this other habit of just pure last-minute shopping, that's where yeah. focus really shines. All right. Well, it's November 3rd, and uh, here it is. I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for, but I will talk about the election impact of shopping this year. So this, as you can imagine, is not something that we report on every year. Um, <laughs> but uh, what we what we were very curious about is looking at it from this sort of online spend lens, just because we we've thought about the earlier shopping that's happening and already kind of kicking in and potential impact that could happen as a result of the election being top of mind. And our main proxy for that was the 2016 election, where we saw the 
the days and again it's not a, a, an exact proxy you know uh, because we saw a, a different you know different candidates um and uh, some of the, but some of the same sort of you know kind of uh, polarization some of the same kind of um thoughts and where where the population's mind was at that time and when we think about the spending habits then what we found was the the spending was a uh, drop was most profound the day after the election mm. um and what we then saw is then it kind of as as we dove as we got that outcome on election night um then we saw the the sort of hangover the next day and then it kind of snapped back into shape and sort of started growing with expected holiday tra trajectories but that was still you know that that day after was still about you know a 14% drop and that's about 158 billion dollars in reduced spend relative to what we had expected for that day so that's a similar sort of you know assuming we get an election outcome tonight that's a similar expectation that we're we're thinking will happen as we as we go through the rest of the season, again, COVID is its own uh, variable that's, that gets thrown in here, um, and so it, it's it's hard to imagine an exact way this this plays out. But uh, this is definitely assuming an election outcome tonight. Uh, we we don't really have much of a proxy uh, beyond two thousand, which we which we didn't really kind of have uh, data trends that apply there. Um, so we couldn't really bring that example back in the fold. But yeah, this 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 assumption would see a thirteen thirteen percent drop in the day after election sales, which would be about eleven percent slower than the rest of the spending that week. So that's an effect for sure. And we'll we'll be you know chronicling how it how it changes the spend we've also asked you know people and retailers uh their thoughts and you know about a quarter of consumers you know feel like the election outcome will have some sort of impact on their holiday spending and we saw this was similar down party lines so um you know that that could be what we expect in terms of that post election outcome uh spending drop and then after, as I said, it, with it snapping back into shape, uh, the assumption that it'll snap back into shape getting into the deal days uh, and Thanksgiving week, that's where retailers feel like more confident that consumers, once they have that that outcome, they'll be more confident about spending and they'll take less up, less of their mind share. So we can hope and, and we'll see. <laughs> It almost says they just want it to be over. You know, sixty-three percent of us are like, you know, I don't care who wins. I just want it to be over. Then I can get back to life or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, uh, Vivek, this has been great. I thank you for walking with me. And there's just a ton of more of uh, information in here. We could just touch the surface of it. Where can people go to to get all of this uh, insights and information? Sure. So we we are you know at Adobe.com. We we have our, our pages um, and 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 set up for uh, essentially uh, our digital economy insights initiative and our holiday report. That's all on, on Adobe.com, and we'll we'll be able to kind of share out links and things like that. But the, the DEI and the holiday report are, are hosted on there and they can be downloaded. And uh, there's a lot of information we're putting out um, that's, that's get kind of tracking how we'll, how the holiday season is going based on our predictions. And then we'll, we'll be kind of reporting on actuals on the main days as well in terms of how it ended up playing out. 
looking forward to seeing how it all does play out because uh, this is a holiday shopping season like no other that I can imagine or, or even think about in my lifetime. So we're, yeah. we're, I'm just looking to see how it all plays out. <laughs> you and us both, Brent. It's, 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 been, it's been wild to kind of size this entire year and um, it, it doesn't look like it's letting up uh, until we're done at least. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be some more surprises before we get through all, all this, some twists and turns and some, but I know one thing, it's going to, it's all going to happen in that real time and in high speed. So I guess we all better get ready for it, but appreciate you coming on, man, and, and walking us through this. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.